Hey guys, welcome to the Begging Podcast, episode number 436. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that are coming out March 3rd, 2021. And we followed up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're going back to one of our standbys. This is part 17 of our great Marvel movie retrospective, where we're going back and watching all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe again with that 2021 hindsight uh, about what came before. And today we're going to be talking about Thor Ragnarok. What I think is nice is by the time the next movie actually comes out, we should be wrapped up. Yeah, right? we'll be caught up. Like, we'll be able to just do these as they happen. Mm-hmm. Loving it. It won't uh, be a retrospective anymore. It will be a prospective. perspective. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking maybe WandaVision and Bucky and uh, Falcon will take up some time, too. Like, we want to throw those in there. I don't know, because we're doing that kind of stuff for uh, Movie Fix. Movie but fix. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And also, listeners, just so you know, we didn't record an episode last week because... We did a private show for a listener who reached out. Can you not call it a private show? That makes it sound like something very. <laughs> it's so it was a it's show for fans. For it's for fans only. only. Fans. <laughs> we did the same joke. Same joke, but I think you got it accurate and I didn't. It's okay. It works. But you know what we all get right now? Uh, drunk. Yes. I mean, both of those work the same too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Starting off for beer today, I have from Funky Buddha Brewing here in Florida, their maple bacon coffee porter. Uh, Very big on that maple taste up front. Nice coffee. Very nice sweet malt to it. I guess there's a a little bit of a bacon scent to it. It smells like maple smoked bacon, but you don't get like any kind of that hot ham water beer that you bought before from Jack's Abbey. I don't remember what that one was called, like the smoking uh, pig fire, or whatever. Fire in the ham. Fire in the ham. Yeah, it doesn't have that like kind of weird saltiness, which I'm thankful for. Uh, I picked up one of these. I've had it previously. I'm pretty sure it was on the show, but this is a limited release beer for them. So when they do put it out, it tends to go pretty quick. So when I went to go get beer for the show and I saw that they had this available, I was like, yeah, you know what? I wouldn't mind getting one of those again just to try it. And I actually bumped up my rating from it because I had it at a 3.5 and I took it to a 3.7. Uh, this is really nice. I don't think it's something I could just sit and drink like a whole four pack of, but you know, I cracked it open when we started talking, been sipping this for about 45 minutes and yeah, you know, it's 6.4%. So it's not my biggest boy of the night. Uh, it's going to be hard for me guys. Just so just a word of warning. It, things might be said and done today that I will not be responsible for because <laughs> things ramp up pretty quick. But yeah, this is a, a nice light one to start off with. Mm, nice. Well, you're also drinking a nice light one. Yeah, I'm drinking a one that's only uh, 5% alcohol by volume, and it's from Southern Tier Brewery, who we'll be talking about in the news. Uh, they're extra mild. They're easygoing IPA. And that's exactly what it is. It's a nice, easygoing IPA. Uh, it's available in a six-pack I believe, and what yes. what nine nine ninety nine? Yep, good because I wouldn't pay more than that. Uh, if the, I, 
long gone are those heady, wonderful days where you could pick up a six pack of an easy going IPA and spend like seven ninety nine or six ninety nine. Like I don't think that price point is available for any craft beer six packs anymore, really. Uh, yeah, not for craft, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the lowest you'll see is eight ninety nine, but because of the last year and the cost of aluminum and even bottle caps and bottles, like everybody is raising the prices across the board. Just about almost all breweries are um, having to raise their prices. So, well, I also hear they have a new location coming in Buffalo that they're probably going to have to pay some money for. No, because the Pagulas were looking to get out of that. I was trying to segue into just, uh, hey, yep. fun fun Buffalo beer talk. Okay. Yeah. Fuck me, I guess. No. <laughs> well, I hope you're getting fucked. You know, I, I do hope that you get slayed <laughs> regularly. I, I don't want to say no as in, like, you're unfuckable. I think you are very fuckable, Chris. Thank you. I appreciate that. guy. So um, and this beer, title, very fuckable Chris, right? <laughs> and this beer's uh very drinkable. I was just trying to segue it back to my beer. Um It's it's decent, like I wouldn't mind having this after a run. In fact I am having it after a run. Um It's nice. It's there's nothing too big flavor about it. Again, You know, I'm going to say what I've always say when I'm drinking one of these types of beers that offer, you know, that, oh, an easygoing IPA flavor. It's not better than all-day IPA. It's not. I no. might It might be a little too cold right now as well. Like, I've had it before where it's really hit the spot for me, but this time it isn't. It might be that my fridge is a little empty, and the basement beer fridge is a little emptier than it has been. And I think my beer's been getting a little too cold. So mm. hopefully as it warms up, I'll, I'll be able to taste some more flavor. So $9.99 for that six-pack. Or $9.99 for four, four-pack tall boy cans of all day. Oh, all, all, day. all day. It's hard to beat. So. Like, I don't know what I have all day on my untapped as, like, a rating... But the more I think about that beer, I would drink that over a lot of other just standard, like, not even, like, crushable, like, session IPAs. It's just, it's really good. I mean, it holds the bar really high for session IPAs. Mm-hmm. And there are some out there. I mean, uh, Billy 18 Watt from Single Cut is a extremely better yeah. session beer but when you break it down for price, I mean, twelve ninety nine four pack tall boy, seventeen ninety nine fifteen pack. You know, it's just it's hard to for the what you get out of your price, you get a little bit more. In this it's economy, just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Uh, co- copies of my cousin Vinny are going for like forty dollars on Amazon. Standard definition. DVD. It's a VHS rip. What's 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 happening? Can't even play here in North America. Can't, can't even do it. Can't do it. Some cut off at the seven minute mark. Seventy minute mark. Had to rent it again. Won a refund. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes the episode leads into the conversations we were having earlier. <laughs> well, in most cases, it does. 
Uh, and I'm drinking from uh, Trogue's Independent Brewing out of Pennsylvania. Their bourbon barrel aged Troganator. Uh, I pulled this out of the cellar. This was bottled on 12-24-2018. Uh, 9.8%. And this is a very enjoyable beer. It makes me want to drink it fresh. Uh, the beer holds up being about two years old, but you can definitely tell that it's missing a lot of the oomph and the character. You get a nice bourbon right up front, which follows by this really nice kind of caramely molasses that you'd have in that double block. Um, everything still works in this beer. It's still really, really good. Um, but it definitely, I think would be I mean this is this is getting to second or third base where I think fresh would be a home run. Yeah. Jig tit is Chris. <laughs> yeah. What is why are we so sexual uh, tonight? We, <laughs> What's going on? Because last hey, time we all talked we had Greg with us Chris. and Gre- Greg had like purpose because Greg was like, alright, let's talk about WandaVision because I want to talk about it. And we had to Get get our talk in before you got too tired, uh, too too drunk. Also, for some of that, I was like, yeah. I like to drink. It was like he had like one beer, I think, and it was like, all right. Well, he but, also but the real question. Is, oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he kept asking the same question at the end of the night. Love you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do enjoy too that he was like, guys, uh, we we're making this call to talk about Wandavision. Not everything that's going on in your lives personally. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, man, you, know what it, you know what is going on in our lives? Some news? Yeah, us heading up to the news garden. And, yeah, it has been a little bit since we have had a chance to actually sit down and record and talk about some of this stuff. So this isn't hot-breaking story, but we finally got our trailer for the new Mortal Kombat movie coming out. Next month, coming out in April, because, yeah, it's March now, which is really scary. Uh, and, guys... This movie looks really cool. I don't know if it's going to be my favorite Mortal Kombat movie, but I think it might be the best. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, I think it. I think it looks great. Um, I think it looks fun. I love when Sub Zero rips off uh, Jax's arms. Come on, uh, I like that's, when he like cool. slashes someone and then freezes the blood and then like uses the blood dagger to stab them. It's kind of everything you wanted Mortal Kombat to be when you saw that original one from the 90s. And I know we even talked about it on the show, but there was that web series that was supposed to be like, oh, Mortal Kombat's back and it's updated for today. I don't remember ever seeing any more of that. And I know they put it out. It does exist. But I just, it didn't capture me. I didn't care enough. From Machinima? Was that too real? It was something that's like, yeah, I think it was like through IGN maybe. Yeah, maybe IGN, maybe uh, Machinima. Yeah, and Jerry Ryan was in it, and... I remember us watching, like, the first couple, and then we were going to, like, review it at the end, and then I think there was a a lot longer than uh, a couple weeks between them, and I think it took a while to finish. Yeah, it was almost like a season one, season two kind of break, it seemed. I think it did end up finishing, but... No, yeah. that was an enjoyable web series. Yeah, that, it wasn't bad. And for what it was, 
compared to what we had previously with the 1990s Mortal Kombat and then the Mortal Kombat cartoon that they had on like TBS or TNT, which I don't even know. Oh, uh, I watched it. It was called like Defenders of Earth or Protectors of the Nether Realm. I don't. It was some weird thing. Uh, it wasn't great, but yeah, I don't know. This something about this just hit me right when watching it, and that's from someone who's not a big Mortal Kombat fan. I had the original one. I had Mortal Kombat three, then Ultimate Mortal Kombat three, and then. The next one that I actually actively played was Mortal Kombat 10 when that one came out on my Xbox 360 because I I really got into that one because none of the other ones Is really that when captured they me. Is that X Ray? Like yeah, it was I like you had like the brutality X Ray thing. Yeah, like they had the crypt where you would go through and unlock everything with your coins spelled with a K, obviously. Um, but even then, like the next one that they came out with. Everything felt just a little bit too clunky. And as someone who played a little bit more stuff like Tekken or Soul Calibur or Street Fighter, where there's a lot of fluidity to the combat, Mortal Kombat just, it was shunted. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I feel the same way about uh, Injustice, because that's yeah. very... The same, same engine. It's like yeah. that Nether Realm. Yeah, it's Nether Realms. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, this, this is going to be one of the movies that I see this year. Because I am actually tracking movies and TV shows that I'm watching just so I remember everything for at the end of the year when we have to do our annual look back. Because it's hard to remember stuff in, like, a COVID world. I mean, I haven't been to the movie theater since last year, which is absolutely crazy to me. And it's hard to remember everything that I've watched because so much of it now is just sitting down at home and putting on something on streaming. Which is just kind of part of my daily routine. Like, come home... You know, get a snack, make food, sit down, watch some videos, watch Netflix. Okay, like, play some games. Like, it's all just, it's not an event anymore, which is something that I like about WandaVision because it's giving me that, okay, I got to get home on Friday and we're going to get food, we're going to sit down, we're going to watch WandaVision. And I like that kind of appointment viewing. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think this movie... Uh I saw this trailer because a friend of mine, a friend of a friend of ours, Eric, he sent me a text message with the link. He's like, I'm like, click on it. And I watch it and I'm like, all right. And I was like, and I told him, hey, as long as it doesn't take itself so seriously, like it's like got this all this like important gravitas to the story. I think it'll be great. I think it'll just be one of of those fun, just movie, just over the top action movies action movies that you can just turn your brain off and watch if you're able to and if you can't I, I'll be happy to drink through, throughout it and have fun with it that way because uh... yeah I the director of this uh, I'm blanking on his name I just had it uh, Simon McQuad hasn't done anything else he did like a video short film and then this well you know that doesn't take just a pair but, to pull off, Chris. I, that takes a whole quad. I'm, I'm okay with that, though, because it's someone that like I don't have any kind of preconceived notions about. And, I wasn't uh, laughing that hard until John started shaking his head. You, right. shouldn't, you shouldn't have been. That's why. Uh, I, it, just, it looks, it it looks, looks like good. Fun. Yeah. It does. It's everything. I don't know. It looks like it'd be everything... 
someone who did grow up with the franchise, like, I remember putting in the code to get extra blood in the first game. Like, I remember playing all those games. I remember when you started, they started making it so you could turn in the... It was still a side-scroller fighting, but you could move the direction out of the way and it would start going on. I think it was Mortal Kombat 4. But I stopped playing when it started being a combo game because I was never good at doing the moves. And when it started being like, you can't win this game unless you get like nine combos in a row on somebody, I was like, just not for me anymore. And even like, Chris, when you played the, um, you got the one for that Xbox or PlayStation or whatever, I could only get so far in it because I was like, <clears throat> it's just the games uh, fighting games have advanced too far over me being a bit of a button masher for fighting mm-hmm. games and slowly trying to do sp- special moves. Yeah. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, tap. Red a tap, tap. Tap, tap. But what, what else we got growing out in the news garden there? Well, you know, I was excited and I thought Chris, you would be more excited about this. Uh, you watch a little bit of Battlestar Galactic back in the day from uh, Sci-Fi Network. Yeah, I talked about that recently. I don't know whatever kind of got me off of watching it because, John, you and I were going through watching it. Yeah, I think we watched um, four seasons in a matter of a couple weeks where we just were like, I think we burnt out on it. It's possible, but... I. I, even I dug it. It was it was good. It was like yeah, a I, engrossing, like engaging <laughs> watch. Like I was, I was in on it. Even towards the end, you and I would watch an episode of that, and then watch an episode of something else, and then watch an episode of something else, like every night, because it just was like we didn't want to continue to keep like watching three or four episodes a night because we just didn't have it in us anymore. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, are they are they doing a new Battlestar Galactica? Is that why you're bringing it up? No, Paul? but Ron Moore, the uh, basically the guy that developed the battle, that Battlestar Galactic reboot, uh, is signed on through 20th Television and Disney Plus to produce and or to write and executive produce uh, the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, which will kick off and build the Magic Kingdom TV universe. So, uh, what does that mean, Paul? The Society of Explorers and Adventurers is something that's kind of been hinted at ever since what Tokyo Disney Sea. Yep, and then they then they started to kind of fold that into like the uh, U.S. parks a little bit as like a secret society of adventurers that have gone on to found stuff like Disney Springs here at Walt Disney World, and then the Adventurers Club that used to be at. Disney Springs, what, right? Whatever. I'm, trying, I'm blanking out. They, yeah, downtown Disney. I was blanking out what they've called it because they literally did the rebranding as soon as I moved down here. So it's like, all right, it's Disney Springs now. Got to get used to saying that. <coughs> but there's been, you know, kind of rumors that they wanted that maybe in the Jungle Cruise movies there'll be hints to this uh, this society of adventurers and uh, explorers. So, which I. I, I I hadn't heard about this until you brought it up, and then I just did like a quick little Google search, and it does kind of sound interesting because the whole idea behind this shared universe is the fact that all the lands 
at the like, Magic Kingdom are real, and then there's some crossover between this, like the people and the stories that live in there. I don't know if this is going to be a thing. Um, I think they're starting off with something like this because if this doesn't catch on, there's not too much writing on it. There's not like a whole shared universe that is now going to collapse and fall apart like they've had with the Universal Dark Universe with their updated monsters because they tried to do that like three, four times now. And just, it doesn't catch. Like, I think, as we'll talk about later, like, Marvel did things so smart. Like, they paced themselves. They gave everything the love and attention it needed as a standalone instead of just saying, like, okay, well, this is all just one big story, so throw everything in there. Like, now watching a movie like Thor Ragnarok, none of that stuff seems too forced because, yeah, we we know it takes place in this universe. That thing's expected to happen or that person's expected to show up. And we saw this in the comic books too. Yeah. Um, with the, the, the Disney Marvel books that they put out and we had some that we really liked and we wanted more from and, and some that we didn't like at all. I stand by like secrets of the weird was a really fun, like swashbuckle <laughs> adventure comic book figment, fun steampunk imaginary adventure but then you have other stuff that just it just didn't click like the tiki room one wasn't great and then there was that space canyon yeah the big thunder mountain one and then they had the space mountain one which they didn't even put out through that imprint they just did it as its own standalone original graphic novel which we absolutely hated so Mm -hmm. I, i would prefer to actually enjoy and appreciate this thing as it's something that just seems to be tailor-made for me as a Disney fan. But time will tell. Did they say in the article that you saw when this would be like released no, or launched? No release, just that he signed on to start writing. And So know, this could be another person. Guillermo del Toro Haunted Mansion movie where yeah, it just could. never happens. And then when he's asking about it, he's like, oh yeah, like, <clears throat> like to do that someday. But... <laughs> just like I also signed on for Halo and... Uh... Justice League Dark and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I just remembered another news story that I forgot to post. And then because I never posted it, it never became a thing. Paul, what do you think about the creation of Avatar Studios? Oh, yeah. That, that's something that happened. Yeah. Very excited about that. That was like, hey, guys, uh, you know, we're the creators of Avatar. And uh, Netflix is passing us too many damn notes about our live action Avatar series. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to go take our ball and go home. Oh, we don't have a home? Guess what? Now we have a home. Avatar Studios. Spin-offs. Live action. Exploring more <laughs> of the world of both not only uh, Avatar Ang, but also Avatar Korra. That's right. Getting spin-off series from both of those worlds. So, very excited. Can, very excited. How long do you think before we get a Kiyoshi, Kiy- oh. Kiyoshi story? Oh, a Kiyoshi story? Yeah. I think pretty quick that we'll get a Kiyoshi story, but uh, in terms of, like, when we'll actually see the first, like, cartoon oh, yeah, it's gonna be thing released, it'll be, like, three years. Yeah, it's going to be wild. That'll be fine. I, I'm uh, in my late 30s. I can wait. <laughs> it's And it's great, too, because Grayson will be old enough to have watched the original series as scissors is, is, uh, and then enjoy these with me when they come out. So, are you ever going to tell them about the 
M Night Shyamalan oh, one. No, no. He doesn't need to know about that movie. Huh. Why would you? Why would you do that? Wait, to me? wait, John, you're not going to tell Paul that he falls asleep to it every night and like he throws a fit <laughs> if you don't put it on over his crib. Nobody likes that movie. I yeah. Where can you even get it? I mean, it's like you can't find it. Just like you can't find my cousin Vinny. Vinny on DVD. Yeah. <laughs> VHS of rips, man. That's all it is. Uh, what else other news card news did we have? I can't remember too much else because some of it was just like us side talking. John, did you remember anything coming out? Oh, I think we we mentioned Mortal Kombat. You brought up this new thing. We talked about Paul's thing. Did you have a thing? Do you want a thing? Is there a thing you're like, hey, you know what? Uh, this is your Andy. This is your Andy Rooney mini. You'd be like, no, it grinds my gears. Who grinds These my gears? These kids with their Healy shoes. I are they shoes or are they roller skates? To drink it. I don't know. Age it for two years. Ooh. What's up with that? Do you, do you have another beer that you've aged that you want to uh, talk about? I have a beer that I'm not aging. You guys want to talk about the Mafia being in the Hawkeye series? Uh, We talked about it. It's to be expected. Yeah, that's fine. Like, (laughs) I was just scrolling back. John, you you posted that. So what's this barrel-aged beer you got there, Jono? Oh, I am drinking. It's something I've had previous on the show, and this is a barrel-aged 10 fitty from Oscar Blues. This is uh, 12.5%. Four pack cans, uh, twelve ounce cans versus the stovepipe, which they've done in the past. Eighteen ninety nine for four pack, perfect pricing for this beer. Mm-hmm. And here, well, that's a that's definitely a sipper too. Like you're gonna get your mileage out of that. Oh, oh, so smooth, so smooth for twelve twelve and a half percent. Wasn't sure where Sm- I was going after that. Ooh. Smoky. Oh, it's just. I <clears throat> so I've I've only aged this once, and I put a year on I put a year on last year's bottle, and then in the fall, sitting around the fire with my brother in law, brought it out and was like, "You're gonna, I've shared a lot of great beers with you, but you're really gonna like this." And it was so disappointing; mm. the beer just did not make it a year. I don't know if it was just bad batch, just not a great can. So when it came out this year and I bought it, I was like, I am not going to sit on this. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when we had the first time we had this, I bought it when Chris, you had came when you were living in Michigan and you came back and we were at pizza plant. I spent $20 on a stovepipe can for the table and it was about a year old and it was amazing. So Usually, I feel 1050 age as well, but this year, I'm not going to trogonator it. I'm going to make sure that I drink them. And I've been opening that fridge, and it's been eyeing me up, saying, drink me, drink me, drink me. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad tonight I was able to to bring it out. I hate drinking 12% barrel-aged beers alone. Like, it's a lot of beer, and by the time you get to the bottom, a lot of times I'm almost sick of it where i'm like oh man so big it's so it hits you so hard sometimes that i used to love when the three of us were in a room and we could Mm -hmm. share this and 
I think that's half the reason I sit on so much of the beers in our beer cellar is because I want to share it with somebody. Yeah. No, that's the reason. You were mentioning, oh, you're going to crack open some barrel-aged beers, and I'm like, I have stuff that I think has been passed between my house and your house, John. And now yeah, it's I, brought, back I, gave it back, I gave it back to you so you could drink it. And it's in my house still, and I, I, I don't want to drink them because I don't feel like it's a worthy enough occasion for me just to be like, I'm just going to drink this, you know? Well, so, Paul, you, need, a, you just need to treat yourself and just say like, hey, you know what? I had a rough day today. I, I've earned this. Or, hey, I'm, I'm sitting down to record a podcast with my friends. I'm going to crack this open. Like, I just cracked open my Pastryarchy edition number 15 from Ducal Brewing Company. And this is their Mexican Hot Chocolate Brown Ale. Uh, 7% ABV. I've only had one other of the Pastryarchy series, and that was their Candy Cane Stout. Uh, and just had it this past Christmas time, and I was not a big fan of it. It was a little bit too much minty and not enough, um, like that chocolate. Because I really wanted like a nice chocolate, and then like a nice peppermint on the back end. Peppermint beers usually just don't work, but man, a Mexican hot chocolate beer usually does. I'm surprised they went the brown ale route with this, but man, right off the nose, you get a nice chocolate, and then you get a great spice on it, and then it's all kind of like cinnamon and pepper burn on the way down uh my esophagus is just being massaged by that lovely lovely spice it's it's a nice brown ale. like this is this is fantastic like i took a sip of it and i i perked up i feel like i made a producer scott face when i did it because i was like "Ooh, i was not expecting this and i almost passed on it because i didn't enjoy the candy cane stout so much. Uh, I like that this exists. I haven't seen any other of the Pastryarchy series. Just that one and this one. Apparently there's 13 other ones that I haven't seen yet. And I don't know, like for just like buying a one-off can, like I'm, I'm glad I grabbed it. Sometimes two distributors, they'll pick up a lot of one and then they'll wait till they sell through that beer that they picked up before they bring in the next one. So they might've sat on that candy cane one for a while before they brought in the next one to, to put out happens all the time. Mm. Paul, I'm drinking something new guys. I'm drinking new haze also from Southern tier brewery. This uh, also comes in a six pack, 12 ounce cans, and this is 6% alcohol by volume. And it says, feel, feel the haze. This is their newest one in their new NU uh, style, new school, new juice, new new haze. This is the third. Did this I? This is the third. They they change it up every two years. Okay. And this is yeah. This is this hits you like with a nice pop of like pineapple, citrusy, uh, tropical hops. Um, it's definitely got a ton more flavor than the uh, extra or. Yeah, extra mile that I just had. Um, yeah, really enjoyable. Maybe it's because this has been sitting out and it's warmed up a little bit more, but I didn't really get anything more out of that extra mile. Um, but this- that extra mile is only going to be, you know, it's it's not it's going to be to maybe a four or five where this they're going for a six to seven. So, and you know, for only one percent alcohol, 
ABV more. Like, you're getting a ton more flavor. <coughs> I don't think it's going to rip you. It's not going to tear the door from the frame? Yeah, tear you the door from the frame. Like, really get you, you know, get you more buzzed than drinking the extra mile would. You know, it's only 1% more. So, I say if you got the money and you're hemming and hawing about it, just go with a new haze. It's it's just an overall better beer. You'll drink it slower because you're actually enjoying the flavor versus the extra mile where you... I forgot I was drinking it because, you know, it was just so lackluster in that way. Um, I write these both a four. <laughs> no, uh, no, I really like this. This would probably get uh, this is something I would look to get if I was out someplace, if I was ever out anywhere. It wasn't bad because uh, you can listen to my review on it on uh, Movie Fix with Chris. Um, it was it was good. I ended up having I think two better beers that night, and they weren't anything that was really like different than that. Um, they were both, um, you know, it was the big little thing from Sierra Nevada and the Captain Dynamo from Voodoo Brewery. And both of those were like 10 times better than new juice or new haze. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Southern tier, if they believed in these beers that they were putting out, they wouldn't remake them every two years. I think and, oh, go ahead. I was and thinking, I just, you said go ahead, and then you started talking. Do you want me to talk, or do you want to do your? Thing? <laughs> go ahead, you do your thing. I just think that they are just they keep trying to capitalize on the buzzwords for these beers, and. Maybe just make a really good beer that'll stick around. Yeah. That's all I got. I don't, okay. But I even say, going back to... Oh. Sorry, my turn now. You can do your thing next. Uh, <laughs> I just going to know, because I can jump in after John here. I feel like Southern Tier does do a lot of just different IPAs because it's a style that they can do well, so they want to try something different. And then if it just doesn't catch on, they're like, okay, well scratch that one off the board, like, we can move on to the next one. Like, I don't even remember all the IPAs that they've done. I don't even remember all the APAs that they've done that I've enjoyed. Like, let alone. So, I, I think it's just I, throwing, throwing I, the noodles at the wall. Yeah. I, I feel like they're suffering from the Marvel uh, comic book-like line of, like, oh, we're just going to start over with a new number one because people like Paul will buy the new one because he's got to try out what's new. And then I'm drinking a beer that's basically the same beer that they put out before because Extra Mile versus Live IPA, like I wouldn't be if you if I blind taste tested both of them, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Would I Live, be? Live's better. Okay, but you know what I mean. Like, is it significantly better? Would I be like? Oh, yeah, yeah, you get a nice, you get a really nice citrus pop out of that pale ale. And then uh, new juice versus new. New Haze versus New School, would I line all three up if they were released? Would I be like, oh yeah, this one's this way, this one's that way? No, because New School, the first one they put out, mm -hmm. when you first got it, was really good. When it first came yeah. out. But it you had to drink it fresh. 
but they produced so much of it that you never drank it fresh. Paul, remember at the hockey game yeah. when we drank those awful yeah. tall boy cans of it? Like, it was just appalling. And it was shortly after that when they realized that the beer doesn't hold up that they put new juice out. And new juice was going to be that more long-lasting, they can jam it on the shelves and and leave it. But I don't think people cared about it. And there was no reason for people to go to that beer because they got burnt on New School. Mm -hmm. And now New Haze is just another name to bring in somebody. The packaging, everything is almost identical to New Juice. People probably don't even Mm -hmm. notice it. But, and this is like they have new juice still in their 15 packs, but they're still in their 15 packs because they've made so many of those 15 packs that mm. it'll probably be another two months before you see new juice in that 15 pack because they've just made it, packaged it, put it out there in such a big mm-hmm. volume that you're not going to see that shift. Cause why would they still be making new juice if they have new haze in that 15 pack? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little bit to them being too big. Yeah. They just bought out that brewery, you know. And Nobody cares. Them. The Bagulas, uh, <laughs> they spent cares, but. $3 million for the Sabres to make one goal. Eh. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, you sound yeah. like, no, that's, Paul, that's are, Chris, are you, have you been lying to us? Are you in Buffalo? No. <laughs> I am not. I I want to come back, though. I'm just saying. I miss you guys. I haven't been to Buffalo in like a year and a half now. Um, spoilers, I'm going to not finish this beer. I just wanted to talk about it quick because I can get to my next one, which I'm hoping I'm going to enjoy more. Um, Boulevard Brewing Company, this is their chocolate ale. It's a limited release, 8.7% ABV. Um, it's in collaboration with Christopher Elbow. Not familiar with them. Another brewery, maybe. Um, it's just not great. Usually when I see a Boulevard limited release beer, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I can't wait to pick this up. So when I saw chocolate, I was like, okay, like sign me up. Cool. Um, it has a nice chocolatey nose, but then no real big flavor actually on the palate. You get like ghost a hint of like vanilla on it and then just kind of like watery fades away real quick. Um, I've been sharing all my beers with Yanni tonight and I poured myself like half a glass of this and took a sip. I was just like, no. And then like I offered the bottle to her and I was like, just like through gesticulations, like if you want it, like you can, you can have it, like take it. Cause I'm let down. Like usually, even like a middle of the road Boulevard beer, still really good. It's a good beer, and this this just doesn't sell anything to me. Like I put it at a two point five on a tap because I I don't even remember what I spent for this bottle. I I don't want to finish like this glass. Like and it's not bad. It's just I'm let down based off that brewery's pedigree and what I know they're capable of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're a great brewery. They make great beers, great Belgian beers, uh, like Omegang out here in New York. 
they made beer so good like, that du- Duvel bought bought them. Tank Seven's like just a great beer. Like if you go to a restaurant and they don't have craft beer, but they're like, oh, we have Boulevard like Tank Seven. I'm like, yeah, give me that because I know that's going to be better than anything else that they have on their menu. And even at a craft beer bar, I see a Tank Seven on draft. I, I probably will get it. Like it might might not be my first beer, but. It would probably be my finisher beer. Yeah, it's, it's beer a good, wanna... good filler beer. Like, it's a dinner beer. Like, yeah. you just have it to enjoy your meal. Yeah. With. If I'm having a burger and I'm like, oh, yeah, give me that Tank 7. Like, absolutely. I I like Tank 7 more than Hennypin. I think it's a better Saison. It's been a long time since I've had a Hennypin, so I can't speak to that call. I say future episode... Hennypin, Tank 7, Saison DuPont. Three three different Saisons, and uh, taste test them, say which ones are great. Which ones John are couldn't come up with a third, so he just made up words. <laughs> just sounds. Saison uh, DuPont. Saison du- du- DuPont is probably the best Saison I've ever had. Yeah, because he made it up. It's all... Yeah, everyone knows Cezanne Dupont is actually a goalkeeper from the Calgary Flames. <laughs> uh, uh, would I know that? Are you lying to us, John? Are you secretly a hockey head? John, I notice you have a little bit of a mullet going on. Is is there anything you'd like to tell us? <laughs> what are you talking he's, about? He's stroking it luxuriously. Oh, my gosh. John, are you it's missing not- a tooth? Was it taken out by a puck? Oh, my God, Paul. Can't believe this guy. I know. He's just I feel. Been... Be- I feel betrayed. <laughs> I feel betrayed. Boulevard, you let me down. <laughs> and if you want to be let down, listen to us talk about the list. Yeah, these are the comic books. I, I'm excited about. about my book. What are you talking about? March third. It's not going to be any good. Twenty you know twenty-one. <laughs> Hey, uh, John, what book are you excited about? Because we can't believe it. Uh, we can't believe it. And we can't Chris, didn't, it. Chris didn't just walk away. No. Chris couldn't Chris couldn't stand for, sit for your, your pick. <laughs> okay. uh, it's a, a book that I was interested in um, when this was teased months ago. Um, but this is Berserker. This is the book written by Matt um, Kindit and Keanu Reeves. And this follows a man only known as Berserker, who is half mortal, half God, cursed and compelled to violence. And uh, the more even uh, the more he does, the more it uh, sacrificed his own insanity. Um. I forget who's. I, I don't have who's doing Keanu Reeves. This. Keanu Reeves. I I, uh, I I don't know. I feel like this was a book that was sold just on. I was like, yeah, Keanu Reeves. Yes, and the and the main character looks like Keanu Reeves. Uh, Ron Gardney on art. It's four ninety nine. I think it at least. I spend my money on worse comic books. Yes, also, I will agree with you. You have. <laughs> I have. Uh, Future State, last last month. Yeah. A lot of money on a lot of crappy books. Um, but I'm... 
there's nothing else that really spoke to me. There was, uh, what is it? Um, the syndicate, Justice Justice League syndicate. What is the, the, yeah, the crime society? Crime, crime society. Yeah. Crime syndicate. That was like the other one that I was like, oh, that could be fun, but it's by a writer and artist that aren't the greatest. So waste my money on that or waste my money on this. I'll pick this. It's worth the read. It's worth us talking about it at the end of the month. Like, um, how bad can it be? We'll uh, see. That's going to be one of our our Marsh look back books. So you'll hey, find I'm out spending, in April. I'm spending six dollars on a book that I'm like, ah, how bad can it be? This is a uh, DC's Infinite Frontier number zero, uh, and this is bringing together, I think. Everybody, all the creative teams over at DC right now. Uh, got writers Scott Snyder, uh, Jeff Johns, Brian Michael Bendis, Becky Cloonan, uh, Joshua Williamson, James Dinian III, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, Michael Conrad, Yole uh, Jones, um, and then all the artists are basically working on it as well. Luckily, the colorists, oh, they got a whole bunch of different colorists as well. So, yeah, go ahead, John. Take a break. But, uh, it looks like this is uh, this is what the new the new timeline the new hyper time that is present in DC Universe. Every story that has happened has happened now. Uh, we are back in the past continuity, but still with the current continuity. Nothing makes sense. Nothing will actually matter. But hey, if you liked books before, they. St- they had an impact on the book you're reading now. So that's, I think that's interesting. And also we get a return of Stargirl from Jeff Johns. Okay. That, that, that's fun. Uh, you get uh, the, a new Wonder Woman, the young uh, Brazilian woman that's going to discover her destiny. Uh, that's the Wonder Woman we got in Future, War, uh, Future State. And uh, Did you finally read that book? Uh, I haven't read it, but okay. guess what? John's going to read a panel of it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't look at the, the dramatic reading. Spoilers. We're going to do the dramatic reading next. Um, it looks good. And, okay. I, you know, reading through the first three pages to find a fun panel. Like, I'm like, this looks good. This feels fun. Okay. So that's the outlier to the rest of the yeah. the future state stuff we read. So we'll, we'll, this is, you know, yeah, just a whole bunch of just 64 pages worth of comic books. And I really do feel like Dan Jurgens here on the cover was trying to, like, emulate a more, um, oh, my goodness, DC Frontiers, New Frontiers artist. Darwin Cook. Darwin Cook. A more Darwin Cook kind of style. Interesting. Okay, and, I'm going to have to pull this up because I want to see that because Dan Jurgens has a... I don't want to say very distinct style, but when I see a book and then I'm like, oh, that's Dan Jurgens, I'm like, yeah, that's like all the Superman comics that I ever read in the 90s. Like, yeah, I, I see that now. Um, yep. So, yeah, I'm, I definitely have to look for that cover now because that sounds interesting. Kind of promising, too. But yeah, because if, if DC decides, oh, you know what actually worked for us was New Frontiers and they decide that they just want to go back and just do continuity as if they came from the New Frontier. Hey. I, I'd be all for it. So, yeah, Infinite Frontiers, number zero. Uh, five bucks for a zero issue, which is 
seems insane to me. But uh, 64 pages, I'm spending five bucks for 36 with my pick. And this is coming out for Marvel Comics and speaking about new or different continuities. This is Demon Days, X-Men number one. And this is being written and drawn by artist Peach Momoko. And I haven't seen any of her art outside of her actual Instagram because I follow a lot of comic book artists on that social media platform. And she was someone that was just recommended to me. And then as I started looking through, I'm like, okay, I like this. It's very traditional Japanese, but like with like a neo like nineties comic influence to it and demon days. And I'm going to read the solicitation for it. Uh, a Marvel story like you've never seen before. A wandering swordsman with a psychic blade arrives at a village that's being targeted by demons. One demon is black and white with a terrifying red tongue, and another may be the strongest demon there is. Uh, it's basically like feudal Japan samurai with Psylocke, and I'm, I'm on board for that. Seeing her art as she's been leading up to this book, because she's been posting stuff from this for months now. It looks absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous. I love her style. Uh, this is going to be part one of five, and it's coming out quarterly. I'm really looking forward to checking this one out and making making you guys read it and talking about it for our uh, ne- next look back. But the next, next look back, because we, we still got February to talk about, guys. But yeah. No, uh, the art looks amazing in that book. Yeah. It does. You're right. Thank you, for, thank you for backing me up. Are you looking at it no, right I just, now? I, I did. I just uh, I clicked on it because I'm on Comixology, and I looked at the three panels or three pages that they give you, plus the cover, and I was like, wow, looks great. Yeah. And now, a dramatic reading from DC Future State. Number one, Wonder Woman, page five, panel one. A long, long time ago, and on opposite sides of the globe, the thunder gods Zeus and Tupa each sat on their respective thrones. There's another word there on the panel. (laughs) And that was a dramatic reading from DC Future State. Number one, Wonder Woman. Page five, panel one. I had to zo- I zoom. I had to zoom in on the boxes to read that. Oh. So I'm sorry I missed your show. Uh, who did the art for this? Whole... That's a good question. Paul, I know you didn't read the book yet. We we just talked about it, but I, yes. that art is cool looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, my books probably in progress. Wonder Woman. Hold on, we're we're figuring it out. Listen, that's okay. We're, we're, we'll figure it out. By together. Jody Belair, inks by uh, Joelle Jones, uh, and pencils by Joelle Jones, written by <laughs> Joelle Jones. So there, there it is. One. So Paul, you haven't started us off for a beer yet. Oh well, I'll start you guys off with a Sierra Nevada limited edition 40th anniversary hoppy anniversary ale. This is clocking in at a percentage of alcohol that I'm not going to find, and that's fine. Oh, it's six percent, and uh, this is <laughs> no. He, he found it, but also I would have assumed their 40th anniversary beer would have had like a, a little bit more of a kick to it. I don't know. I 
I feel like that's a big milestone. Like, that's impressive. And this was packaged back in November 4th of 2020. So, uh, it's it's okay. It's got a little bit of that pininess. It's not the big celebration ale, which I was kind of expecting uh, when I picked up this multi-pack of it. And it was in that multi-pack. You know, oh, you know, because that celebration ale, they go big. They're like, hey, you're going to feel like your mouth just went through the complete Christmas tree lineup. When was the last time you had a celebration? Uh, I don't even remember. It's it not as bad as you remember it. And I if you listen to the movie fix, that was kind of my like, I okay, like I yeah. We we both really enjoyed it, Paul. So t- t- uh, take a look back at that. I will. Or listen back, if you will. Um, it's a ba- yeah, it's bag nice. You have to say look back. Sorry. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Branding. <clears throat> Always stay on brand. Um. Yeah. This is nice. It's got a little bit of that pininess at the aftertaste. This is what I look for in a West Coast IPA. Um, it's nice. It's rich. It's got a little dark tinge to it, like a little maltiness to it. I, I don't think it's a black IPA, but it's pretty close. Um, very enjoyable. Very good sipping beer. Did you buy a pack of it or just a, a single? This was in uh, one of those multi packs, you know, okay. sampler packs, and it's that, been kicking around for a while. I was going to say that you found it in the back of the fridge. Yep. I've probably uh, had it before, and I don't know if I've talked about it on show before or not. So, because there was two I, others, <laughs> I vaguely remember you talking about it. Yeah, but it also could have just been personal chit chat between all of the yeah. podcasts we do. Uh, and I know, like, I just had two barrel aged beers. So, what is the next beer that I should have? And that's going to be a German-style Kolsch from Springdale. It's completely Uh, kneecapped me on that one. (laughs) That's what I thought, too. It was that I kind of want to drink something else. I just walked to clean my glass out, and I feel a little dizzy. Uh, What should I drink? Oh, let's have a Kolsch. 4.8%. This is from Springdale, which is part of Jack's Abbey. And... I expected this to not have a lot of flavor, uh, but this beer does. Um, third time I'm having it, uh, four-pack Tallboy cans. The breadiness, uh, crispness, very refreshing. Actually a really nice beer to finish the night with, with those two heavy stouts. Because that breadiness that kind of hits you, that biscuity is a huge pop. It is um, something that will cut through having had two barrel-aged beers before it. Um, this is an award, award-winning Kolsch. I think it won, like, silver um, or bronze. It's actually it's really nice. Just a good drinking beer. I mean, it's obviously a step up from a Miller or Labatt or bud kind of a beer, but it has a lot more flavor than those, a lot more body. Um, but it's still in that same realm of those beers, but something that can finish the night with a bit of a wow factor that I thought my palate would be dead to after two Belgian or two barrel aged beers. You're on a podcast, John, if you want to give it a gold or a bronze or a silver award, you can like, 
For a Kolsch-style beer, I have to say this is probably the best Kolsch. So it would get out of Kolsch's in my it would category. John, it would get a, board it cast. would get a five star review for just beers in general that I would rate. It would probably get towards a four if I was rating it like on Untapped, um, which probably would still be the highest rated Kolsch on my Untapped. Well, speaking of highest rated, this is a beer that I put at a five as I had previously checked into it at a four, but I haven't had this beer in six, almost like seven years now. And this is coming from the brewery. This is their white chocolate. And this is a bourbon barrel aged wheat wine ale with cocoa and vanilla beans. And remember how I said it was going to ramp up quick? Mm-hmm. Little, little throwback. I had a 6.4% beer, a seven, an 8.7. And now with the brewery's white chocolate, we're coming in at a 14%. Um, <laughs> and it drinks way too easy for 14%. It does. It has that kind of like little, like alcohol, like dragon breath bite at the beginning, but then you just get that nice kind of like, that tannin wheat wine coming in, you get that richness from the, the cocoa and the vanilla, and it's absolutely delicious. Um, again, all these beers I've shared with Yanni tonight, and most of them she was not a fan of. Uh, she gave me back the can of the Mexican chocolate ale. She was not a fan. She took the rest of the chocolate ale, which I did not like. Uh, but when she tried this one, she perked up, and I was like, get a glass, like. There, there you go. Like, enjoy it. Be free. Um, the brewery kind of hit or miss. Their hits, though, agree. are completely spot on. The other stuff that they put out that I think I'm going to like, like um, the Earl Grey, I just it sounds good, but then when you get it, you're like, mm, it's not bad. The only stuff I've ever had from them that I didn't enjoy were bottles that had been tainted or contaminated somehow. And we didn't get that beer to the actual extent that we should have had it. Uh, but this one again is absolutely perfect. Um, fun fact discovered this as we were looking back at it. The previous two times I had this beer were for my birthday in 2013. And then John had set one aside that we had again a year later on my birthday in 2014. So John, thank you for that. And I guess thank you for this, even though you didn't do anything to bring it to my table. This time you brought it to me previously. So it was one of those things. It's canned. Um, They do the big bomber sized bottles of it, but they do put up some of their stuff in like the four packs too. This one can though was $14.99. It's just your typical pint can. Nothing too crazy, Uh, but worth every one of those. Those pennies. Uh, yeah, I I love the brewery beers. It's been a long time since I've actually had a, brew, a brewery beer because um, they're hard to come by uh, here in Buffalo. Every once in a while, you can find them. I think if I went to some really niche places, I could find it. I wish I could get them at my store, but the problem is I would bring them in for me to to drink them. A lot of times I bring certain things in a case. Oh uh, yeah. Bring a case in that in. It's like, Oh really? I'm like, yeah, I want to, tr- I want to drink that beer. So bring it in. Um, 
but yeah, I there's so many brewery beers that I've had that I've been wowed by. Um, white chocolate, chocolate rain, the um, I forget what it's called, but it's like the the Mexican rice pudding beer. Like I just there's so so many of them that I've been wowed by, and there has been a couple that aren't my favorite. Um, I remember liking Mrs. Stoutfire, but it wasn't, it was very, a a very smoky beer that I'm not a huge smoky beer fan of. Um, but yeah, I, you really made me quite jealous, Chris, uh, that you had that. That that was not my intention. It was one of those, literally, I I saw it on the shelf and was like, Oh, I, I gotta get this. Yeah, but, and okay. when you had that, it made me want to go, like, mm, I got to see if I can find this at, like, Premier, one of the other bottle shops around, because I could really go for that. Yeah. And I'd be interested, I'd be interested to see how it ages in a can, because I remember really enjoying that fresh, but also thinking, boy, this could age really well. And then us having that second bottle for your birthday a year, you know, a year from when we had it before. And all of us saying how much better that age, aged in the bottle it was, you know, how much better it was. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. But (laughs) sorry, there's, there's no other way to dress up. Like it was. I always go to the beer store just looking for something new or something that when I see it on the shelf, I'm going to be like, oh, man, I I got to get this. And the oh, man, I got to get this beers tend to be more the stuff from Founders at this point because Founders, I don't know if I'm going to see it or not. Like, I can still go to my store. Yeah, KBS is readily available. There's always KBS on the shelf. Like, I thought that would have been gone as soon as they put it out. I can find CBS though. I have not been able to find Panther Cup yet though. So who knows? But it's I wasn't able to get the Masagave grapefruit. But the year later I was still able to find just the regular Masagave. Still a great beer, nothing wrong with it, but what I wanted wasn't there. So if I see something that kind of like shocks me, you know, it takes aback like like a brewery white chocolate, like that's a good day. It's me happy. Not, not trying to make you more jealous. I was just like, wow. No, no, you're good. like it. it, it I, felt like I was Indiana Jones, <laughs> and I had just broken the staff and put like the the talisman on the top of it, and like it just lined up right where I was able to grab it. Yeah. Trust me, I'm I'm gonna be on the I'm gonna be on the hunt. Be on the hunt, and I honestly I feel like the brewery's probably like a brewery with enough recognition and clout, like that. If you did bring it in, you know, people would see it and be like, "Oh, like you have mischief or something." Like they would. Yeah, it's it's two things. It's the distributor that carries them, and then my company not authorizing them. Is it because of price point or? They just make some stupid decisions sometimes. Hmm. Interesting. Because there's, there's a couple breweries that I think would sell great in our, in so our stores. If a customer that, 
wrote comic cards. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all. Would not do a thing. But do you guys have any comments on the movie we're going to be talking about for our main topic today? In the great Marvel movie retrospective, part 17, Thor Ragnarok, from 2017, directed by Taika Waititi, this is the third Thor, oh, second Thor sequel, third Thor movie that kind of surprised we got. But man, I feel like we earned this one after sitting through two other Thor movies and Thor's other appearances and stuff, which Thor's always been strong in those ancillary, like, Avengers kind of pop and stuff. Thor and Thor of the Dark World, definitely at the bottom of all of our lists, but uh, spoilers for ranking. This is my number one at where we're at Whoa. in the great Marvel movie retrospective. This movie, it's a hell of a lot of fun. It's just a great movie to watch. Uh, one of the times that I was back in Buffalo and my mom and I were just sitting around wanting to watch a movie and I was like, if Thor Ragnarok, I think she'll like. And she hasn't seen many of the other Marvel movies outside of Iron Man and Captain America. Like, she hasn't even gone into, like, the full Avengers canon. But I was like, she'll probably dig Thor The Dark World. It's just a great movie to watch. And You mean Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah, sorry. I said Dark World. Um, I took less notes on this movie than I have any of the other ones that we've talked about for the retrospective. Because I was just sitting there and enjoying it. It's it's everything that I didn't know I wanted from a Thor movie given to me. See, the one thing, and I have to say, this is going to be my number one as well. Because out of all the movies, I feel like I can just sit down and put this on. I could watch 15 minutes of it. Love those 15 minutes go away, have to turn it off, come back three days later, pick up where I was, but also go, I should probably just start from the beginning again because it's such, so good. But you keep saying Thor Ragnarok, but isn't it called New Doug Ragnarok? Let me... No. no. Oh, no it's I not, it was the, only, the only person that calls is that it's Korg. Uh, uh, this, this movie... Once, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it. The humor in this is perfect, and everybody in the movie does a great job with the humor. And I wouldn't have thought Chris Helmsworth was funny if it wasn't for that female Ghostbusters movie where he was the receptionist. Stand and I was like, yeah. hey. The rest of this movie's crap, but Chris Helmsworth is hilarious. Uh, the humor, the look of the movie itself, it has such a great... Um, I can't think of his name, the artist. Uh, Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby. It's got such a great Jack Kirby look with some of the spaceships. Definitely the the army or whatever that the um, Jeff Goldblum's his, his security, whatever they look like they're out of a Jack Kirby art. There's so many things about this movie that just nail it and make it such a great movie. 
that it's going to be my number one till the last two movies of the Marvel movie retrospective are going to probably overtake it. And before Paul jumps in, sorry, I don't want to pre-cut you off, but this is also, (laughs) this is also the movie that made Chris Hemsworth be like, Oh no, I'm going to, I'm going to keep playing Thor because we had everyone like Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth kind of approaching the end of those contracts and I think Chris Hemsworth more than RDJ and Chris Evans were, was like, yeah, like I spent some time with this character. I'm ready to move on. But I think Thor is what made him be like, okay, no, this is fun. And I think it took Taiko Itini to be like that kind of outsider, like, no, this can be goofy. It can be fun. It can be weirdly cosmic, but still tell a great story for the actual actor who's playing the character to be like, yeah, you know what? I'm in. Okay. And we're getting, we're getting another one. I think what's interesting is too, is like, I think it was when this movie was coming out or maybe the infinity war or whatever. Chris, Chris Helmsworth pretty much said like he was going to be not retiring from acting, but he wasn't planning on doing anything that unless it really spoke to him on what he was going to do. And he just was, I got a lot of money. I want to spend the time with my family. I have my daughters. I want to be a father. I don't want to be constantly away. And I think doing this movie made him go, I still want to play this character, especially if this director is attached to it. But then he got to work with the Russo brothers and they're the only other movies he's done besides yeah. Thor is a movie that they like wrote and produced. Extraction, yes. Yeah. Which Extraction. I haven't watched, but I've heard is really good. But then at that same point too, you also get uh, Tom Holland now in their next movie, Cherry. Yeah. So they, I think maybe they just have a way of working with people that they're like, okay, yeah, like sign me up. I'm and on board. From what I've heard – the the other non Marvel movie they did, Four Bridges with um, Chadwick Boseman. They directed it. He's a police detective in New York City, and they got to shut down all the bridges outside of the thing. I hear that's excellent too. I it saw trailers things, for that one, but that's not my kind of movie. Like same thing. I haven't just, watched Extraction yet. It it just like flew under everybody's radar, but from what I hear, it's it's excellent. And it was again like. Oh, what's Chadwick Boseman going to do after after being Black Panther and in an, the Avengers Infinity War? Oh, he's going to do a Russo's another movie with the Russo brothers. Like I think all those people just are the same kind of sensibility that they all want to continue to work together. And I think that's I think that's great. Well, and sorry Paul, you'll get to talk eventually during this. I think the <laughs> fact that even though community has been off the air for like probably like five, six years now, the fact that the people that they work with on that show are still willing to come back and have like those little bit cameo parts in their movies just kind of speaks to the, their skill and like the family that they made on those properties that they've been on. Paul. Hey, so 
Yeah, the movie's fun, and I'm glad, finally, we get a Thor movie that doesn't take itself so serious and, like, is so weighed down by the whole mythos of Asgard and the mythos of Midgar and the Frost Giants. And it's just like, yeah, that's all happening, but we, but nobody in your day-to-day life is, like, so weighed down by the mythos of everything that's happening in front of them, you know, above them or below them. It doesn't find time to just joke around and have fun, you know. And this is a movie that's just decided we're just going to have fun with it. We're going to sit down in a barber chair and just have Stan Lee with his shaky hands give ourselves a haircut. We're going to say, hey, I know that guy is from work. I don't I don't want to do the please help. Thor or uh, Hulk, please do not smash the giant monster. Oh, big monster. All those lines. Best lines of the movie. <laughs> uh, and that, hey, he's we're friends from work, that was given to uh, Chris Hemsworth by a child that was on set for Make-A-Wish. And they were like, oh, it'd be funny if you said this. And he's like, that's a pretty funny line. And went up to the director and was like, hey, I'm going to say this. And he's like, oh, that's... That's amazing. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. The the kid over there in the wheelchair dying gave it to me. Like, uh, I, yeah, it's a, it's a funny, there's so many good lines in this and everybody is, everybody's game. Thor, for the most part, yeah, he's badass in it, but he's also an idiot in it. He's He's, you know, uh, because does the hero speech, throws the ball and knocks himself out. He's he's a god. He has all this power. He doesn't need to work for it. It's not like he has to do, you know, he's not a, like a mortal where he has to do like 5,000 push-ups and only eat protein and never have a slice of bread. Like he just wakes up in the morning and it's just Thor. So, yeah, he's just like, yeah, this is what heroes do, you know? Yeah, but Chris Helmsworth does have to do yeah, 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 to yeah, look, does have to do to look that. that good. And there's like one scene where he's just like pointing, and I'm like, how many ripples are in his forearm with all the muscles? And with the new God of Thunder, because or uh, Love and Thunder, he's also getting into crazy shape because he's playing like Hulk Hogan in a biopic that. His stunt double was like, I can't get this big. I can't do it. Because, look well, at he's huge in this movie. And if you go back and like look at the Hulk in the 80s, it's like, yeah, he's a big guy. But like Chris Hemsworth is Thor is like, fuck, dude, calm down. Yeah. Like, There's at least at least three C's in his thick. His... His biceps right now are bigger than all three of our thighs. Like, <laughs> he looks insane right now because he's getting into crazy Hulk Hogan shape. Uh, but yeah, he's he's a man that has to work for that. Because oh, yeah, he does. Prior to this, prior to this, he was in the Ron Howard movie about Moby Dick and the Killer Whale, where. He got rail thin. Like, he dropped so much weight in that movie to look like someone who had been stranded in a life raft. 
he had a all of a sudden like super bulk up to be in this movie. I was saying, but Thor can be an idiot. Yeah, he can be an idiot because he just has that power. He just wakes up and he's Thor. But, he doesn't work for it. And I'm glad that this movie kind of had that sensibility to it because the Ragnarok really influenced the Thor that we finally wind up getting in stuff like Infinity War and Endgame, where it is that kind of, I don't want to say doofy, but that he's pretty self-aware and he's like uh, jumping ahead. Cause we usually do go through the movies like scene by scene or like plot point by plot point. But when he's talking to Dr. Strange and he's like, Hey, you could have sent me a letter an electronic mail. Dr. It's well, do you, do you have a computer? No. What for? Like there's like just a lightness and like brevity to all those lines that, it just works when you're telling this story that does ramp up with Hela coming back and being that threat that they never knew existed. Uh, I mean, favorite Thor movie, one of my favorite Marvel movies. I'm confident in saying that this is going to be at the top of my list once we do the next like five or six movies, however many are left here. Uh, and right from the get-go where he's trapped by Surtur and kind of feeling him out for information, you're already aware that this is going to be a different kind of movie because it's fun and it doesn't have that Kenneth Branagh it's taking itself too seriously because this is the Shakespeare of Marvel superheroes. Like, it doesn't have that kind of gravitas. Like, it literally starts with Thor being like, Surtur, you son of a bitch! Like... It's fun. It's like, hold on, I'm twisting around now. At that point, I'm like, okay, this is a different Thor. Hold on, let me swing back around. Okay, okay, yep, now we can start talking again. And at the time, too, with that first movie, with it being Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh, we were all like, oh, yeah. They're taking it seriously, makes, like, ooh. That, <laughs> that makes sense for Thor. He's very Shakespearean. He's very, how art thy... And it makes sense, but at this point, this director and these writers' sensibility with this just work. And Tiki Watiki, I did say I said that wrong. I've had a lot to drink tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he I said, like by Tiki. T- thank you, Paul. You're welcome. Like he said, eighty percent of this script was ad libbed by the actors and or him just like directing a scene and then being like say this and then them saying that and the other 20% was written by people in uh, from Make-A-Wish <laughs> yes they just kept on bringing more they kids kept in and ad libbed but I want to meet the rock uh, we got eventually we got- kid we're going to fly into New Zealand to go see the uh, Thor. He's okay, right? But the, everything about this, like when you think, oh, it's going to be, there's going to make another Thor movie, you kind of roll your eyes about it. And then everything in this movie just fires on all cylinders. Everything works. And I 
think maybe they got a they got a clue with Guardians of the Galaxy. People really like this. Maybe this is what we we need the Guardian of the Galaxy eyes Thor to make it interesting. And it works. He he sets foot on Earth for four or five minutes of the movie. And it's only to have that Doctor Strange cameo in it because it was also the post post credit teaser at the end of Doctor Strange. This movie would work without that yeah. scene. And it feels like that scene is forced. They made him put that scene in, but he makes it work more than that post credit scene did. And that that was like something that I had in my notes because it seems like that they did that post credit scene just to sell him into the greater Marvel universe and him, I mean, Dr. Strange, but then they had the time to kind of change it and work with it more for Ragnarok. And it plays so much better in Ragnarok than it did at the end of Dr. Strange. But you're, it's not just Thor that's kind of played off for laughs in this because that humor does carry through to everything because after that fight scene with Surtur, uh, we're introduced to another character that will come back and I really enjoy probably more than I should with Carl Urban's Scourge and <laughs> just his life. Behold my stuff. There's like that faux gravitas to it that just, it works in such a bizarre way. And then like later cuts back to him with the shake weight and you're like, (laughs) all right, like I'm going to have fun with this movie. And that, I mean, that's one of the things I really love about Carl Urban is he's been in like five to six different comic book properties and then Star Trek as well. Star Trek, Lord of, Doom, Lord of the Rings, like, Doom, Lord of the Rings, Doc, like uh, Judge Dread, or just Dredd. just Dread. Uh, the Boys, um, Priest. Like he's he's a nerd fanboy who just lucks out and is able to be in all of these properties, in all of those properties, playing completely different characters. That he's really great at doing and he is not an actor that cares about making himself look like a fool. He just wants to be part of the the team. He wants, just wants to be there. Uh, I do want to kind of break, uh, break this in. It was not something we talked about in the news, but Melissa McCarthy was cast in the new uh, Thor love and thunder. And she will be playing Hela as in like, but Kind of like how uh, Matthew Damon was playing uh, Loki, and who played? It, uh, it was Liam, Chris, Chris Hemsworth's brother. It was Liam Hemsworth. Oh, Liam Hemsworth was playing, and then uh, Sam Neill played Odin in the play. Within the play that happens in uh, this story, uh, that's that's actually the next note it's, I have written down: the tragedy of Loki of Asgard, which. And it's it's Luke Hel- Helmsworth. Oh, Luke. Oh. Liam is actually more famous. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, 
but even that scene, like it's it's goofy, it's fun, but it still pushes the story along in a way where you're literally just sold. Like, okay, yes, we know this is Loki portraying Odin because the end of Thor: The Dark World, where we see, yeah, Loki's on the throne, and of course he's going to make the people do a play singing his praises and build a big statue of himself. And they're going to call out the big statue of himself in the play. And uh, Anthony Hopkins, like delivering that. Oh shit line. When he sees Thor, (laughs) this movie has so many actual legit laugh out loud moments for me. And they carry all the way through. And even in that, having Matt Damon play Loki, like, is another one of just those funny bits. And then two years later, playing an unrecognizable redneck in Deadpool 2. Like, just bizarre that Matt Damon's, like, game to do that. I think Matt Damon's at the point a lot of actors should hit where he's just like, yeah, I'm famous. I have money. I can just have fun with this now. Yeah, he had his own franchise. He had the Bournes. Yeah, he did, he did the Bournes. Like, yeah. If I was a person, uh, an actor that didn't what? quite have a franchise yet, like I don't know if I would give up being cast as like one of these, like one of these kind of gag. Oh, you'll be that character in the play of this movie. It, I would be like, no. But everybody they got, like, they've all had franchises except for Luke Ellsworth. Maybe he has. I don't know. I. I, th- I don't follow I think he played himself in like a TV show he, and maybe some Australian stuff. He's definitely he the Miley Cyrus. No, that was Liam. That's oh. Liam. Uh, but uh, that's going to bring us in. But Matt, I just, okay. I do want to say Matt Damon also had the Oceans movies. I've only oh, seen two was, of them. So was he? Well, there's only three of them. He's in. Okay, Australia. I thought there was another one. Um, and he's also the smallest character in or, uh, the one with the, like the least amount of screen time I find. In all, all of them. No, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of screen time. Okay, I just watched him recently, and I'm like, I literally he, watched the three movies in two days this week. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's it's definitely Brad Pitt and George Clooney vehicles, and then everybody else is kind of on the side characters. George Clooney is barely in two and three. Barely okay, in. Well, okay. But you know who's in this movie? Clancy Brown. Clan- yeah, Clancy Brown does the voice of Sertif. We'll be back at the end. Uh, Tom Hiddleston, though. And it kind of, as excited as I am for Loki, the series from Disney+, Plus, I'm kind of sad that we're not going to be getting this version of Loki that's been alongside everything else that we've seen happen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because I like this kind of tired of Thor's bullshit version of it and both sides of that because at the end like we do get Thor being like yeah like you could wind up running this planet like it's made for you and then you get that double like where it's like yeah like I trust you you betray me we've done this so many times like I'm gonna go do my thing now this version of Loki is so much fun and I know everyone loves Loki right from Avengers on out. I just, I love this Loki, and it just ha- happens to be this version of Loki that we wind up saying goodbye to in Infinity War a couple movies from now. 
I'm hoping that they can kind of capture some of this with the Loki series. I'm just, I don't want to say I'm apprehensive, but I just don't think you can have that same kind of version of the character knowing that it's like Loki from an alternate timeline dimension. It's not the Loki that's learned all the lessons and has gotten to this point with Thor. And it is that moment too, where he's like at the end of the movie when he's just like, yeah, this would mean something if you're actually here. And then he's throws the bottle top and he's actually there. And then they have that moment where they're like, okay, head nod to each other. Okay. You're not, Right now, you're not going to betray me. You're with me. And, yeah, I think I think up until when he dies and the next time we see him, it's like, you've had an arc for this character. Yeah. He was the main villain in the Avengers movie. And then he's gotten to the, you know, even in the second Thor movie, he redeems himself. And in this, he's still a scallywag. He, but again, he's the god of mischief. But even like when that ship comes up to the Rainbow Bridge at the end and he's like, Asgard, I am here again to save you. You know, it's that over the top thing that just makes Tom Hiddleston great at this role. And why I'm looking, I I am looking forward to, uh, I am looking forward to the Loki show. I think, uh, yeah. It, the first movie, the reason why you go back to see it is um, Tom Hilston's work as Loki. Because, you know, he's got swarmy, like, oh, brother, we shouldn't invade. Come on, it'll be bad. And then he's, like, pulling the strings and just being an awful guy the whole time. And here we we get him just, like, just smoothing his way to the top. You know, it's, it's good. It's good. Hot. Uh- I love this Loki. Sad to see him go, but you know they might be able to recapture some of that when they do the Loki series. Um, but this is also going to lead us into our big Marvel Cinematic Universe crossover with Loki being semi-abducted by Doctor Strange, where it leads to that kind of conversation between the two of them. We did see at the end of Doctor Strange, but... We already talked about it at the beginning of the show. A better version of it. Uh, but it still fits into this movie, I think, just with the humor that Taika Waititi is able to kind of put into it with them zooming around and Thor kind of getting like thrown around a little bit. And then Loki being brought back and it's like, I've been falling for 30 minutes. Like, that's not the Loki that we're going to be getting. But I don't hate this scene. Uh and I'm I'm glad it's in the movie though. Yeah, and this is the the next scene where they they finally meet um, Odin. Odin, and they have that moment, and he disappears. It, it adds a little then, bit of lightness before that. Yeah, and then you have Kate Blanchett, who's amazing. Yeah, Hella. But this is also the first time where we're like, Marvel's lied to us. We saw the scene where he throws that hammer in an alleyway 
and she catches it. And now it's happening here. Now she's breaking the hammer like, what? We saw a trailer seven different times coming into this movie, and now you've, you've, they've lied to us on what's happening in this, the- in, in this movie. And this is the first time that I was like, you're supposed to show me what happens in this movie, not tease me and switch it up on me. And now it's a common thing that they're not going to show you the right things. They're going to keep things. They're going to edit things out. They're going to edit things in. Whole, whole scenes that they tease, like the Avengers running towards you in Infinity War that just don't happen. Don't happen? Yeah. Like, it's like, whoa. But also, Kate Blanchett, one, an amazing actress, two, perfect for this. I've never seen her in a series movie playing the bad guy ever. I'm not thinking about Crystal Skull at all. Uh, <laughs> I forgot she was in that as like the Soviet scientist hunter, whatever. Uh, she's amazing in this. She's great. She was born to play this. And, uh, yeah, she's, I don't know. Yeah, as, she's just great. as the antagonist, like, she kind of bears the brunt of a lot of the drama of the story. But even she kind of gets a moment to play with the fun and humor of it all when she does appear on Asgard and she's giving the speech to the army of, like, the guardians that are there to protect it. And she outlines who she is and, the one surviving member of the Warriors 3 is like, no, you won't. Whoever you are, she's like, did you not just hear what I said? Like, again, it's a heavy moment. You know she's about to kill all these people. It still makes me laugh. Like, And she even has a moment to just kind of bask in that humor of it. Even she, She's yeah. a great villain, though. Like, she nails it. You're right. Oh, I mean, she's, she's chewing the scenery in every scene that she does. She's just being big and broad, but she's also reeled in to do that. And uh, no, I think she's great in it. Paul, Kate Blanchett thoughts. Kate Blanchett thoughts. Yeah, uh, exactly. She has to carry a lot of the melodrama of it all. Has to do a lot of the like. I have to explain my evil master plan, and you know, carry a lot of the uh, exposition. And she does it really well. And luckily, she has Scourge there to talk to. Because, and her, just kind of, their interplay of of uh, back and forth is pretty good as well. So, uh, Also, previous scene where you have um, Thor and Loki kind of talking on the streets as they go to find Odin, you get a little bit of, like, hand-waving, like, oh... Jane's not in this movie by the people coming up and be like, Hey, can we take a selfie? Oh, sorry. Jane dumped you. Uh, and just the, uh, moments of Thor being comfortable being amongst random humans where he's like, yeah, we'll take a selfie. I'm going to do the peace sign in the picture. I like that kind of growth from who Thor was like slamming coffee cups on the ground to being like, Oh yes, these, these people know who I am. They want to chronicle this moment in their lives. Yeah. Where's Odin? Like, Shady Acres is being demolished. Uh, 
growth for all characters all around. Uh, but after they meet Hela, we get a little bit of a battle scene that sees Loki and Thor all falling through the Rainbow Bridge as they're being pulled apart from the Bifrost, uh, which gets Thor landing on Sakaar, a planet that if you're a comic book reader, you're not surprised to see because we were already teased with the Gladiator Hulk being portrayed here. And this does kind of cement where Thor and Hulk were because this movie does take place at the same time as Civil War. So when Thunderbolt Ross is talking about like, oh, well, do you even know where Thor or Hulk are? If I had lost a couple megaton nukes, government would be on me. Well, now we know where they are. They're on Sakaar. Ta-da! Ta-da! Go ahead, Paul. With Beta Ray Bill being carved into the one building. Yeah, we also see uh, Hercules, the Roman god there too, and then a couple other random aliens that might have some sort of meaning. But Beta Ray Bill for me was the big one because it's, you know, drawing off that Thor Thor history there. Uh, Also, Pierce Note, uh, Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster brother to the collector that we had with Benicio del Toro. They both play really weird characters well, <laughs> but there's just such a bizarre likability to the Grandmaster that I can't explain. Yeah, he's 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 perfect for this role. And his humor's great, everything's great. Um there's a bizarre moment where he's talking about how time works on Sakaar, where they're in like that bizarre plane where everything that's lost and found just kind of winds up. And like Thor just arrived there. Loki's been there for a couple weeks. And then you get the Grandmaster being like, yeah, anywhere else I'd be considered millions of years old. And he gives this weird, bizarre, like side look smile. Like he's expecting people to be like, you you look good, but nobody knows what to make of it. Yeah, you don't look like they over a thousand. Like that's what he's expecting, and nobody says it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he's phenomenal in this, and I think he that- just walks over randomly to some like bizarre alien synth pop band playing, and like he hits a couple <laughs> notes on a keyboard for some reason. I don't know, but it works. It sells his character. Yeah. And that's also, he's he's known for being um, a jazz pianist, that he he will show up at different clubs and just play with a jazz band all night. Hmm. Uh, but that's yeah. part of the 80% ad-lib. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. Probably. Um, but just his, even his, um, his play with his, like, right-hand woman who barely says anything is all like is all great even like just the scene where she hands him the rod and he's like why would you hand me the melting rod this, uh, this isn't a melting rod kind of a thing that i want them to do things we, for we kind of skip past tessa thompson appearing as valkyrie bringing thor to the grandmaster but even when he's like i always say she's the the what starts with the beat <laughs> Uh, his handle was like trash. 
It's, it's like, no. Have you just been waiting to say that? I said it starts with a B. It's great. Uh, she's amazing in this role. And uh, I, she's been around for years before this. But this is just a great breakout role for her. And she's someone who now when I see that she's in something, I take note of. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let, let's check that out. Tessa Thompson's anybody. Watched any of the uh, that uh, Mission Impossible? Not Mission. Oh, uh, Men in Black reboot. <laughs> I did watch that. I uh, wanted to, did not. You, yeah. Everybody you says out. you missed out. If you, you you lucked out, if you if you missed out on the uh, Men in Black, she is she is good in it. It's I not it. it's not a good movie. Chris Hemsworth is is actually the one of the weaker parts of it, and so is um, um, Liam Neeson. What? I can't stand here and listen to this. I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that's that's okay. That's okay, Paul. You haven't been talking much, anyways. Uh, okay, he's gone. I feel like this is going to be another Spider-Man Homecoming situation, where it's going to be like, yeah, I just don't like Thor movies. This is at the bottom of my list. But here's the thing. Paul's learned from that that he knows he's wrong for that. So he's going to rate it high, but it's going to be like four or five. I don't, it's not going to be all the way to the top, but he's going to put it in the middle just to appease it's it. It's such a good movie, though. Like, I don't like legit. I was trying to watch this on my break at work today because we talked about how, how are we going to do this? And then Paul, like today, just confirmed, like, yeah, so we'll talk about Thor. So I was like, okay, like, I got an hour. At work, I can watch this, and I'll finish it when I get home. I'll take my notes. It'll be fine. And then there was just too much happening in the break room at work where, you know, you have people kind of coming and going, talking about work stuff. You get other people on their break where they're talking on their phones, right, to other people on break. And I was like, you know what? I can't pay as much attention to this movie as I want. I'll I'll finish it up when I get home. I I, I absolutely love it. And... I, I want that to be known. I've talked about it a lot. I do have a complaint about it, which we'll get to eventually. Um, but yeah, we can continue on with the actual talks. So by the time Paul gets back, we'll be talking about actual movie stuff. And I'm going to keep working through it. Like It's been part of the conversation all along because everything that you're seeing on Sakaar is so bizarre. And this is really where that Jack Kirby influence comes in with the artwork and yeah. the colors and everything that's happening. Uh, and this is also going to lead us into our Stan Lee cameo for the episode where he's the bizarre barber that has the hand-cutting apparatus. It reminds me of Mega Man almost because it's just like, eh, I'm hit buttons on my arm and then I cut your hair. He's Cutter Man. Yeah. Now, I mean, Chris, you mentioned like I have some problems with this movie. Why did he need to get a haircut? To make him more gladiatorial? I don't know. I think they just needed a way to kind of strip away everything else from those old Thor movies and then introduce a a new Thor because once we do wind up seeing Bruce Banner, he's like, oh, you got a haircut. I like it. Like, it looks good. Like, I'm pretty sure just Chris Hemsworth is like, I don't want to wear this wig anymore. I I think even in that first Thor movie, like, one of the things that I remember 
talking about. I was like, yeah, that wig and those eyebrows, like, it just looks bad. And I'm glad they do fix it eventually when we get around to Avengers. But that was, that wasn't my complaint. Uh, my complaint was like the weird, <laughs> like, digital altering they had for Hulk's voice, where you can tell they took, um, Mark Ruffalo's Mark and they, Ruffalo's. They, they put it through a filter because there's like a weird, like to it that I think does get better later on when you do see Hulk again. But the next time we do wind up seeing Hulk, it's going to be where it's like the smart Hulk where it's so much more Mark Ruffalo than Hulk that this, it just comes off as so like harsh and digitized, but that's jumping ahead. Uh, Yeah, but we are going to get to the Hulk Thor gladiator battle here. Yeah, because so much of that Hulk-Thor battle is just sold on Hulk. Ah, You don't get him actually talking too much. And it's just Chris Hemsworth selling those lines like, oh, he's a friend from work. You embarrass me. I told them we were friends. We're friends. <laughs> uh, and then as soon as Loki shows up, Thor, like, pointing out, like, hey, look who it is. And then one of the notes that I took was, like, that's how it feels as soon as you see Thor slam. Uh, or I'm sorry, Thor slammed around. Uh, we also get a call back to the Age of Ultron kind of lullaby that they have for Hulk that gets him to revert Which back. He continually tries to use on him. <laughs> Even just as they're walking, he, around, he's like, sun's getting real low, sun's getting low. On, yeah, on, on Banner, yeah. Rubbing his shoulders, sun's getting low, sun's getting low. Uh, which I absolutely love, because this is the last time we've actually seen those characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Even though we've had maybe three or four movies since then, with that constant continuity that we have, these do make sense. It doesn't seem too much of a callback. And I like the fact that they don't feel the need to explain it. Like, there's no Thor being like, oh, like, me saying this is supposed to lull you into a calm state where you revert back. It's just, someone's getting real low, but, and like, you have that payoff of Hulk grabbing him and then slamming him around. Yeah. It's... It trusts the audience to be caught up. And caught up on the previous you, sixteen movies, which yeah. is an investment. And even if you, even if you weren't though, like it's just a weird throwaway line that you would be like, "Oh, weird," but it gets it's so small and it gets past it so quick that you're like, "Okay, whatever." And it's just, and then when it comes up later, you're just like, "Oh, I guess this is something that Thor says to people to try to keep them calm." Like, who knows, you know? Yeah, watching this movie with my mom, I didn't feel the need to have to explain much of anything because it mm-hmm. it kind of just does stand on its own. And from context clues, it kind of works. Yeah. It's in- and uh, that brings us past the... Uh... The gladiatorial combat, then? Yeah. And we're going to yeah, hang out with a naked <laughs> naked Hulk in a bathtub? Yeah, which you get the fact that... Oh, that's why we've been so sexy this uh, That's probably why we're all just riled up from that big green donkey dick. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I just really want to eat a hot dog and uh, 
in Universal Studios. Hey, Kong Dong. Kong Dong. Um, I do like the fact that as soon as, like, we do get Thor waking up after that battle, it just so happens to be that they brought him to, like, Hulk's chambers. So I'm assuming at this point, Hulk has enough, like, clout in the arena that he's like, uh, bring here. Like, so they just took him there. So when Thor winds up waking up, it, he's there. Like, it's not like he's back in jail with, uh, Korg and Meek, who we didn't really even talk about in the lead up, which I don't know how we miss out on that because. Uh, get out of here, you space ghost. Piss off, ghost. <laughs> One of my favorite lines of this movie, of great lines. Um, and then, of course, Korg portrayed by Taika Waititi. Breakout character from this film. Someone that I actually want to see more of as we do progress through in something like Infinity War. I'm hoping we get more of him in Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, I hope him and me could do some, uh, survive whatever happens in the lead up to those movies because... Cork's just great. And like everybody else has so many great breakaway lines in this that as soon as you see him, like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this. Well, Cork, you know, he's made of stone and, uh, meek. He's got blades for hands. Don't worry. Don't have anything to worry about. That's your scissors. Just a little bit of rock, paper, scissors humor. (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, it's a great fun, character and it hit i mean it he does help progress everything being the one that they take that ship and they follow thor to be able to pick up everybody on asgard sorry i had a swallow there uh but yeah it's it definitely works great and as chris said breakout and even in um the last Marvel movie, uh, not Infinity War, Endgame. To have him pop back in that and uh, be wearing the Hawaiian shirt, have moss growing on his stone, saying, you know, showing that he's he's just as lazy as uh, Thor's been to to gain all that weight. It still it still works, and yeah, Love and Thunder. I'd love to see him back for that. Uh, oh, are we going to? Are we still going scene by scene? Because this is a long movie, and we've already been recording for two hours. So I don't. I I would like to say I I love Mark Ruffalo. I think his Hulk stuff is really great, but when he becomes Bruce Banner again, he's fantastic playing kind of a biz, a bizarre version of his banner character is someone who's been shut away for two hours. And then the fact that he's wearing Tony's clothes and it doesn't have enough room in the crotch. <laughs> he wears his stuff so and, tight. And then like you just constantly see him like pulling at the groin, pulling on, pulling on the groin. Uh, he's so great about it. And then when they call like the, the portal that they're going through the devil's anus <laughs> and even having him be like, we're almost to the anus. Like, <laughs> He delivers those lines so seriously, but also just so 
it's everything in it. It's bizarre. So it's bizarre. Surreal. Uh, we don't we don't have to continue going scene by scene because I think we got most of like the big stuff out of the way. Um, in the lead up to that, we do get them raiding Odin's vault, where we do learn that the Infinity Gauntlet that he had there is a fake. Uh, we do see the casket of Eternal Winters that had made a pre- an appearance previously. Uh, we do learn that they also did have the legit Tesseract, aka Space Stone. Locked up there as well before Hell is able to raise her army. Uh, I also want to give another shout out to them actually on the Grandmaster ship where they hit the button for the diversion. Where you just <laughs> get the fireworks and then the hologram of Jeff Goldblum. Like, Here's my birthday! <laughs> it's, it's so bizarre. And it's so weird that they were like, hey, you know what? In this Disney Marvel movie, we want to have them making their escape on the Grandmaster's orgy ship. It's... Don't don't touch it. <laughs> it's... But this is the second time they made reference of a lot of sex happening on a spaceship. Yeah, because they also did in Guardians of the Galaxy. So that does lead into John's theory of like, no, like Guardians... Was a hit. Like, what else can we do to Guardians Eyes other movies? But I like that they don't force it into other stuff. Like it happened with Suicide Squad. Haven't seen it, but yeah, it happens. Um, ultimately, this is going to lead us to our final battle for Asgard. Where I guess they win, even though Asgard falls. Uh, One of my favorite action sequences in any Marvel movie, though, with Thor being blinded, but then realizing, yeah, you're not the the god of hammers, you're the god of thunder. And you get that moment, call back again to the beginning of the movie, where you get Led Zeppelin's uh, immigrant song playing, which just seems to be made for a Thor movie, even though it didn't happen in the previous two. There's so much greatness to that fight scene, even with Valkyrie landing the ship on the Bifrost and setting off the fireworks. And then her just like strutting down the catwalk with her sword. Like there's so, there's so many badass moments in this movie. She is slaying. She does. She does. You made me feel weird saying that though. (laughs) She, she's um, definitely a character that I want more from in the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it just, it, didn't happen in Infinity War, even though she's there. But also, it couldn't because there's not a lot of room in Infinity War or Endgame for those characters to breathe because there's so much in those movies. And Anthony Hopkins wasn't going to come back for a third movie. And it was, they sent him the script and he was like, oh, this is, yeah. I'll come back. I'll come back for this. Like he enjoyed the script so much that he was like, no, I'll come back for this. I'll, I'll put a, you can put that wig on me, but I'm not going to wear that stupid armor again. He's got two, two scenes, two scenes. Yeah. Right. Or three, three. It's him as Loki, him retire at retirement. camp, And then third being like, are you the son of Hammers? No, you're Captain Sparkles. What was that, Sparkles? (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, no, it's good. And immigrant song. I know Paul, when we first reviewed this right after we saw it, mm-hmm. your complaint was them using that scene, like that music again. Yeah. We heard it in the trailer. We heard it in the beginning of the movie and then you did it again. And I do have to say, uh, you can find it on YouTube with that yeah. fight scene at the end with uh, Thunder from... Um, Thunderstruck. Thunder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It works. It, it, works. it works. And that's what I'm saying. And I'm glad. But I think also they probably paid a lot of money for Immigrant and Song. That's a, that they were like... Because Led Zeppelin doesn't do license their music up. So they saw this as a thing that they're like, yeah, okay. They're not a Kiss or ACDC or Black Sabbath or Metallica. Where like, if you just like pay the fee, they're like, yeah, okay, take the music. Like, you have to actually like get the approval and pay that fee. Unless you're, uh, you know, agree you're Metallica and you agree to do live music for an event. Oh, and then yeah. You <laughs> because you know you're Metallica. Because you're afraid of Metallica suing you even though they signed up for an event so people that don't know what paul's talking about uh a couple weeks ago we had blizzcon line which every year blizz uh blizzard entertainment that does world of warcraft overwatch heroes of the storm diablo all those games did an online version of their annual convention that they do and at all their conventions they do have an actual band perform on the final day and for blizzcon line they did the same thing where they had metallica in studio performing live this is their second time metallica's performing at a blizzcon uh so this was all streamed online and every channel's like stream that was actually putting this content out there for people to watch wound up shutting down or they cut over the music that metallica was playing with different music because they didn't want to be taken down for a copyright strike because they were playing Metallica music from Metallica. It all goes back to Napster. It's weird, bizarre DCMA inception. Uh, lots of fun. What al- <laughs> what also is a lot of fun is it necessary... The de- devil's anus of, uh, of uh, musical... Is it ne- what's a lot, not a lot of fun is the end of this movie that sets us up for being like, yes... Asgard is in the hearts of its people. Wherever you are, we'll be home. Uh, and then we get our post credit scene that leads directly into Infinity War, where we know half those people on the ship will be murdered. Um, John and I both put this as our top of the list for Marvel Cinematic Universe retrospective. Paul, where does this sit for you now? It sits at one, two, three, fourth. Fourth on the top. Number four. Uh, I still have Winter Soldier, uh, Captain America, America, Winter Soldier, number one. Age of Ultron, number two. Civ- Captain America Civil War is number three. And then Thor Ragnarok, number four. Uh, what, did you guys call it? What, what was it? I, I, I called it. I said, you're going to put it at four or five. Yeah, And then right above Iron Man. The okay. original Iron Man. And then Guardians. Uh, I absolutely love this movie. I had no problems going back and rewatching this. And yeah. not that I planned this out because, yeah, I do go back and rewatch all these movies for the show. But if I just have to sit down and watch something for fun or to put on while I'm cleaning, 
chances are this is going to be the next Marvel movie that I put on just to watch, not for, you know, work or the show. Like, it's just a good, fun movie. I have probably watched this more than any other Marvel movie, maybe next to the original Guardians of the Galaxy. And I obviously put it above Guardians of the Galaxy. I think everything is just done a little bit better. It's a little bit brighter. And it's also not uh, bringing the team together like that first Guardians of the Galaxy, even though he does bring the Revengers together. <laughs> do, do, do you want revenge uh, for anything? Uh, I'm undecided. <laughs> um, but it's just it just really works and if I were to throw a Marvel movie on which I have a couple times it's usually this one and it's usually to hopefully entertain my two year old well I can also really enjoy this because I watch a lot of crap because a two-year-old makes you watch a lot of crap and over and over and over again. So I like to get my kid to watch good things or things that I am slightly entertained by. And if That's I can a get him... solution. That's a better one. <laughs> I was saying, I was thinking, oh, he just gouged out the kid's eyes. You'll be fine. Your way is better. Your way is better. My way, not so good. Yeah. Well, final, final thoughts on Thor Ragnarok? Or sorry, uh, new uh, Doug Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> I I enjoy the movie. It's when I do this list, I go, okay, do I want to watch Thor Ragnarok right now or Winter Soldier? Nope, I want to watch Winter Soldier. You know, and that's how I go down the list. Um, so yeah, I, it is definitely it's in the top five. It's number four. It's something that I have gone back and watched more times than I thought I would just because it's just light and fun and I don't need to interact with it much because there will be moments that I will just giggle or laugh at and that's enough. Like, I don't need to follow along with the story because the story is just... It's light. Like, there's no real through line that you need to pay attention to and like, wait... Who was that that was over there? No, there's none of that that's happening. Hella is causing havoc over there. We're stuck here. We need to get out. Gladiatorial combat. We get then up. We get out. Then we're going to stop her from doing bullshit. All right, cool. Movie. Cool movies. All I, all I kind of needed from Thor, I think, to reinvigorate the franchise for me. And hey, hopefully we... In- Invigorate or reinvigorated you for listening to podcasts? I don't know. Uh, emails over at bangborecast at gmail.com. Rate and review us on wherever you heard us. Uh, we appreciate that. Follow us on any of the social medias that we have. We're on all of them. Maybe not that active. I've gotten bad about that again. I apologize. Uh, you have a life. I have a life. I have two jobs. Well, one and a half jobs. You have two and a half jobs. Two? Two that pay and a podcast. Okay, (laughs) Okay. I was like, I don't know where you're going with this. Uh, But again, this pays just because this is how I get to sit around and talk to my friends about stuff that, you know, we enjoy and love.
So it's always a fun time, even if we're not recording like we had with Craig last week. <laughs> uh, but yeah, love you guys. Love you too. Yeah, I love you. <laughs>